Today, I wanted to dive into some of the biggest social media headlines. There are a lot of changes or have been recently with really all of the social platforms. And I want to dive into what's working today, what these new features mean for you as a business owner, as a content creator, as a social media manager, and where I think the future of social media is really going. Okay. So the first big new feature that I want to talk about is Instagram broadcast channels. Instagram had been testing these broadcast channels for a while for maybe some of their larger accounts, but they recently released this feature globally to everyone. So what a broadcast channel is, is it's essentially just a one-to-many messaging tool. You can kind of think of it as a text message that goes out to a group chat, except the group chat can't respond outside of, you know, leaving a reaction, like a like or heart emoji, that kind of thing. So whenever you create a channel, your followers are going to automatically be notified about it. I didn't realize that when I created my freelance Friday broadcast channel just to test it out, but I got a ton of people joining because they got that notification, which is pretty cool. There are about 900 people in my broadcast channel. And I'll be honest, it was one of those things that seemed really appealing. And then in practice, I just haven't been able to get into a groove of posting with it. So maybe you'll have a little bit better luck, but you know, I do think that there is potential for someone like me who creates a lot of content and especially those who create content on a regular consistent basis. So every Friday I can post to that broadcast channel, a link to my podcast. And, you know, hopefully it'll remind people that I exist, especially when the algorithm maybe isn't so friendly of my in-feed posts or even my stories. I think this could be used for e-commerce really well. You know, Hey, if you're one of the, uh, super fans basically of our store, be sure to join our broadcast channel and we will send you out coupon codes or new drops, new announcements, things like that. If you have more of a lifestyle brand, I think it could be cool to almost be like, get your daily text message from me, the creator, you know, your daily dose of wisdom, whatever your subject matter is. I think it's definitely something that we should be testing. I'm not putting a ton of stock into it. I didn't see any measurable traffic increases or anything like that for the few videos that I did post in my broadcast channel. But I think like anything, that consistency and just making it really engaging is going to help encourage more people to join and make it more valuable for your audience. Some of the things that Instagram has on its roadmap, which I'm really happy to hear for broadcast channels are question prompts for collecting feedback and ask me anything content, a dedicated tab in the inbox for easier access to these channels, collaborators that you can invite as guests to your channel, expiration dates and times, addition of content moderators, and preview links to share with followers to encourage them to join a channel. So all of those things I think are really welcome and needed. I personally would love a way for my followers within that broadcast channel to react, to respond back to me outside of just emoji. So it sounds like they're working on some of those new features. Now there apparently was also an algorithm reveal. So apparently the head of Instagram, Adam Mosseri posted a video kind of explaining what, what really drives the algorithm on Instagram. And it looks like he said, past behavior drives content ranking in the explore and reels feeds. Suppose you've watched multiple videos about a particular topic. In that case, you'll likely see more of those videos being suggested to you in either feed. So in other words, what you engage with really dictates what you see, which, you know, I don't think is rocket science. I don't think any of us were like, what? This is so confusing. I think we all sort of knew that, but he's really 
explicitly sharing with us that, you know, their algorithm is based on what you engage with. So if you don't like Instagram reels, stop liking Instagram reels, stop watching Instagram reels. If you don't like carousels, if you don't like photos, stop doing that. In other words, tell the algorithm what you want to see. And this very closely mimics TikTok's algorithm. I think we all know anyone who's created a TikTok account, the second that you start liking things, you just get flooded with more and more of that same thing. I think it's Instagram is trying to replicate that because people seem to really like TikTok. I mean, I think it works. People are getting what they want out of that platform and Instagram is following suit. Okay. Let's talk about Twitter. Twitter has, uh, has done some interesting things. They have been doing some interesting things for the past, you know, year or so, right? The biggest thing that people have been getting really, really upset about are the app limits that Elon Musk recently, very recently uh, introduced. So he essentially put a cap on the number of posts that you're able to view, not post, not, you know, to view, for Twitter Blue, actually for everybody, Twitter Blue members get the most amount of posts that they can view, but it goes down significantly from there. And it looks like, you know, I try to verify this. I'll try to put an update on the screen if I can figure out the true answer to it. It seems like you are not even able to read tweets without an account. I tested this in an incognito window being logged out of Twitter. And it looked like for me, I was able to view Twitter Blue posts, but not like my own tweets. So I, I don't know, I'll try to put an update, like I said, if I can figure out what that actually is. But the long story short of it is it's it's harder to see tweets now without being logged in and most importantly, without being a Twitter blue subscriber. Now, I think that The Verge said it best. They had this piece about, I think it was called, where do we all go from here, essentially? Where do we go? Social media is changing immensely. I don't wanna pick on, Elon Musk and Twitter too much because I think this is just a sign of how things are changing. And I agree with what The Verge said. They said, social web is changing in three crucial ways. One, it's going from public to private. It's shifting from growth and engagement, which broadly involves building good products that people like, to increasing revenue, no matter the trade-off. And three, it's turning into an entertainment business. I wanna have a bigger conversation on this because I do think that as much as I think Elon Musk is being a little silly right now with Twitter, I also think that we are going to see this happen over and over again across all of the platforms. And we're gonna talk about some of the changes on some of the other platforms. This is a trend, you know, these platforms are looking for different ways to monetize outside of the traditional just advertiser format. and. I'll say one nice thing is that I can't fault him for trying new things, for trying new paths. I personally do not think this is a path that makes sense. I think limiting your user base, limiting how much people can consume content on a platform just doesn't make sense from an advertiser perspective, but also from a reach and impression perspective. You know, if I'm a creator, let's say on YouTube or Twitter or wherever, and I just see my views are dwindling, my engagement is dwindling, it's really gonna discourage me from continuing to create content on that platform. So I, I don't know if this is really the move, and you know, people have been saying Twitter is dying for months and months and months, but if this keeps up, Elon did say it's only temporary, but if it does continue long-term, 
I can see this one being the actual nail in the coffin personally. With that said, people are flocking to different platforms. Everybody is trying to find the next Twitter, the next big thing. I love Twitter. At one point I was very addicted to Twitter. Now I don't log on barely at all. I log on like once a week now. Um, some of the big contenders, one is called blue sky, which is created by the actual original creator of Twitter. So that's interesting. And it's had its own share of controversy. I am on the platform. It's invite only right now is able to secure an invite a few weeks ago. And I do really like it. I mean, it looks exactly like Twitter, just minus some of the features like DMs and videos, which I actually kind of like. It looks like early, early Twitter for sure. Um, but a lot of users are citing maybe a lack of accessibility on the platform, which, hey, it is in beta, but that is certainly something that the platform needs to prioritize in today's day and age. Also potentially some moderation issues. So we'll see on that. Another one that is a little bit more recent for me, at least, is a platform called Spill. Spill is, um, a, a lot of users are saying it is essentially black Twitter um, in an app. So the whole point of Spill was meant to amplify marginalized voices and uh, be you know, a welcoming community for marginalized groups, considering Twitter is becoming maybe a less safe place for some people. This platform is also in beta and there's a wait list and I have not been invited, so I can't really share much on that. I think the one that may really be a true contender has not been released yet at the time of recording. At the time you're watching this, it will be, so we'll see. It's Threads by Instagram or Meta. So this competitor is launching on July 6th. It's already been showing up in the app stores for some people. And it's coming soon. And it, it the screenshots look just like Twitter, uh, but it's by Meta. And apparently you'll be able to keep your own username from Instagram. It'll be kind of a sister app to Instagram. We'll see how that all plays out. That's my biggest actually concern or complaint about it is I feel like my Instagram audience and my Twitter audience and what I say on those platforms is very different. So I don't know that I want a meta-owned Twitter. There are also lots of reasons that other people may not want a meta-owned Twitter, but hey, we've got to find we've got to find an app that's going to stick around, right? Okay. So YouTube, let's go over to YouTube. YouTube announced recently that it is lowering the barrier to be eligible for its monetization program. So previously, let's see, the conditions were in order to be monetized on YouTube, you had to have at least 1000 subscribers and either 4000 watch hours in the past year or 10 million shorts views in the past 90 days. I'm going to be honest, that that seems hard. Like I think I, I think those those criteria are pretty hard um, and pretty discouraging for new creators. The new criteria are to have 500 subscribers, three public uploads in the last 90 days, and either 3,000 watch hours in the past year or 3 million shorts views in the past 90 days. So 3 million versus 10 million, that's huge. And the 3,500 subscribers, you, you see the difference. Okay. Um, seems a lot more attainable. Now here's the kicker. Here's the thing that a lot of people are maybe not realizing this new kind of 
let's say micro monetization level or micro partner level enables you to get access to tipping tools like super thanks, super chat, and super stickers and subscription tools like channel memberships, the ability to promote your own merch with YouTube shopping. What is not on that list? What are we not seeing? AdSense, right? The ads that play beginning, middle, end of your videos, the sidebar ads, uh, to my understanding, this kind of micro partnership does not allow you to monetize in that sense. Now, I think that this change to the partner program signals two things. I think it signals number one, they want your shorts. <laughs> they want our, the shorts creators to continue creating on YouTube. I think YouTube understands that to compete in today's video world, they've got to have, a, you know, a shorts element to their platform. So lowering the barrier from 10 million shorts views to 3 million shorts views is a lot more attainable. It's going to get some of those bigger TikTok creators, Instagram reels creators to at least repurpose their videos onto YouTube and see what happens. I think the second thing is going back to that verge article about this kind of new social media landscape that is private, not public. For example, I also think we're seeing these platforms want creators to take monetization into their own hands to some extent, but they still want oversight and they still want to cut. And I'm, I'm a little iffy on it. I'm going to be honest. What I mean by that is there have been multiple conversations I've been a part of things that I've just read and observed over the past year or so that have really indicated YouTube is pushing us to make merch, to, you know, do memberships, to, uh, do lives and get people to tip us. And that is just not a typical part of the YouTube ecosystem. For a lot of us more old school creators, we are used to just having our ads roll and you guys watching the ads and like, that's how we make our money. Uh, I think YouTube really wants creators to make money in other ways. And I think YouTube is not the only platform that's doing that. I have my hesitations about it. It scares me a little because I worry that maybe they're going to make changes to the, to the traditional monetization program. I really hope they don't because at this point, YouTube is the only platform in my opinion that compensates its creators fairly for the amount of time and effort and money that goes into producing this type of content. So I hope nothing changes. Um, but I also think that they're just seeing the democratization of content creation through TikTok and how easily creators have, you know, have been able to get big on that platform. And I think they want to add kind of a tier for those creators who maybe don't want a huge film set. They don't want to buy expensive cameras. They just want to record with their phone and cultivate a community that way. We'll see. Speaking of ad revenue on YouTube, YouTube is limiting the use of ad blockers or they're testing it. There's been a few screenshots popping up of people getting a message that says video player will be blocked after three videos. It looks like you may be using an ad blocker. And um, you know what? This is actually something that I personally am for. I know a lot of people will come at me for that one, but I think that there are real creators behind these videos. And again, that's how most creators get paid. I would say most creators are not making their money from YouTube memberships or tips. And frankly, even if they are, um, AdSense is, is, a, is a big chunk of what a lot of creators make. And if you support creators, turn off your ad blocker while you're watching our videos. I mean, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe anybody anything. But I do think that it's 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 hard for the platform to support 
this much bandwidth, this much traffic onto their platform, it's hard for creators to keep up with creating high quality content if they're not getting paid for it. So um, yeah, YouTube's running this new experiment to limit usage on ad blockers by asking users to turn it off or buy a premium subscription after three videos. We'll see what happens with that. Okay, um, LinkedIn. My LinkedIn was on fire the past uh, week, I think it was. People were saying these huge creators on LinkedIn, because you know there's influencers on LinkedIn, right? Um, huge creators saying like, oh my gosh, my post only reached eight people, but I have like 80,000 people following me. And apparently it was just kind of a glitch with the algorithm because LinkedIn has changed its algorithm. So I guess that was just that transition period. Luckily, I think LinkedIn creators are safe if they do this. LinkedIn changed its algorithms. Here's how your posts will get more attention now. This is an article by Entrepreneur. So they said the biggest changes are that if you post on LinkedIn, it's more likely that your followers will see your post. So, um... I'm not really sure I'm understanding what that means. People tell us they find it valuable when content's grounded in knowledge and advice, and they find it most valuable when the content is from people they know and care about. So I'm, I'm guessing this is kind of that Facebook model of friends and family versus brands. So I have always said this. I think that if you're going to do LinkedIn, if you're going to, you know, make that a part of your strategy, personal page is the way to go. I have business pages just so that they can show up on my profiles. And sometimes I'll reshare things from those pages, but the majority of my engagement comes from my personal profile. I think that's kind of what they're saying is personal profiles over brands. Here's the big piece though, that, um, I think is going to change for some people, uh, you know, somewhat, I guess, but here's the other big piece posts that share quote knowledge and advice are now prioritized throughout the platform. Um, so essentially it's saying LinkedIn system is going to evaluate whether a post contains knowledge and advice and, um, show it to people who are going to find the information useful. Uh, for us, the most important part of the equation is, do we believe we're helping our members be and feel more productive and more successful? In other words, I think they don't want that spammy content. They don't want some of that, um, Facebook type content. You know, we've all seen the seductive selfie on LinkedIn. And you're like, I mean, this is a nice photo. You look amazing, but like, what does this have to do with the world of work? I think that's, that's what they mean. And I think most people who have a true LinkedIn strategy that is rooted in any of the things that I teach, you know, if you're tuning into this podcast, I think you're probably already doing that. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah, no more thirst traps on LinkedIn. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, they've also, LinkedIn has also announced a new AI image detector that has a 99% success rate in catching fake profiles. So um, according to this article from Search Engine Journal, reports about fake LinkedIn profiles published in 2022 noted that LinkedIn detected and removed 21 million fake accounts in the first half of 2022. That is a lot. That's a lot of fake profiles. Obviously, this has some serious, you know, uh, potential to do damage. People are looking for jobs on this platform. People are getting scammed on these pla on this platform. And so that's definitely something uh, that LinkedIn will want to clean up. I know I have had fake looking profiles claim to work at my companies. They've listed my companies as an employer. And there's little that I can kind of do about it besides try to get the profile taken down. So hopefully this will work. I think this is an example of AI for good, something that can, you know, uh, really help 
make the social media world a little bit safer if it if it works, which it seems like it it's working. 99% success rate is pretty dang good. All right, to wrap things up, let's talk about TikTok. TikTok announced series. I think series is another feature uh, like Instagram broadcast channels that has been around for a while, but they've released it to more people over these past few weeks or so. I am one of those people. I got a push notification or a a notification upon opening the app rather that said, Hey, do you want to create TikTok series? And I thought that this was the playlist feature that I've seen some people have. So I said, yeah, I want to create it. They asked me for an example of other series I've done, which was interesting. So I think I linked my freelance Friday podcast, YouTube playlist. If I'm not mistaken, it took a few days and then they approved me. They said, all right, you're approved for series. And what this is, is series allows eligible creators to post collections of premium content, a group of up to 80 videos, each of which can be up to 20 minutes long behind a paywall. So I went to go set up my series and I didn't realize this was a paid thing. I thought it was just a playlist. It's not, this is paywalled content. Think of it as a course might maybe you could think, which I do think is really interesting. So you can have 20 minute long videos up to 80 of them in a playlist behind a paywall. Um, yeah, you could create a course on TikTok now essentially, or create premium content. Maybe it's a secret mini podcast or, you know, I think there's a lot of different things you could do with it. I think, I think at this point you got to choose a lane. That's how I'm feeling with myself. I don't see myself, uh, doing this just because I've got YouTube, I've got courses, I've got all these different things. There are rumblings that I have heard from unverified sources that YouTube is looking to do something similar and allow us to monetize courses on the platform. So in my eyes, instead of doing this on TikTok, I would do it on YouTube if they do release this feature. Um, but I'm curious if any of you are using this feature or have seen people use it in a creative way. I think it has potential if you have a large audience on TikTok. but again, it points to back to that verge article. And what I mentioned before, these platforms want us to monetize for ourselves. TikTok is still not, you know, paying creators on mass in the scale that YouTube is for advertising, pre-roll advertising. I think they still want TikTokers to pave their own way, which has its pros and cons for sure. Speaking of, this is the last piece of news we're going to talk about. This one was really interesting to me as somebody who is an aspiring author and a content creator. TikTok started a publishing company. Did you know this? This did not show up when I was looking for TikTok news. This showed up really far down. I think it's kind of niche, but I think it's very, very interesting. So um, yeah, they're going to start publishing books. The name of it, let me see what the name of it is called. Eighth Note Press. So I would never know that that's a TikTok brand if I just heard someone say, oh yeah, I'm publishing a book with Eighth Note Press. I'd be like, cool, congrats. Uh, very interesting. And it's already reached out to some authors, mostly self-published romance authors. And it looks like the appeal for authors looks to be less about the advance and more the marketing services ByteDance offers. One romance author, Trisha O'Malley, was offered just $3,500 each for two of her books less than the author reports making from them monthly as a self-published author. $3,500 for a book advance is like very low. I don't know. I have not been a published author yet. I'm an aspiring author, but from my research, 3,500 is pretty freaking low. So again, I think TikTok is saying, 
hey, we're TikTok, sign with us and we'll give you, you know, promotions or tips on how to sell your books on TikTok or whatever. And that's kind of the benefit to being published with them. It's not about getting that six figure, or even five figure, you know, book advance, like in the traditional publishing world. I think it's interesting. I personally would not sign with eighth, eighth, note, eighth note Press unless potentially I had a huge, huge TikTok following as it was. And they, they made it very clear in our contract that they were truly going to help me market and sell. What I hear from a lot of friends who are published authors, uh, is that, you know, a lot of their publishers will tell them they're going to help them market their book. And it really all lands on them anyway. So there's no doubt that TikTok has really shaken up the literary world. You know, I walked into Barnes and Noble the other day, I think it was, and they had a whole table that said book talk. I know friends of mine who have not read a book in years and started reading books, primarily romance novels because of TikTok. So, you know, I, I, Hey, they're trying to get in on a big, big industry. And it's just interesting to think about what other industries are they going to try to break into cosmetics, right? Um, comedy, are they going to become agents for comedians? Who knows? We'll see, but it's very interesting. And that's, what's been going on in the world of social media marketing lately. And I will be back next week for a new episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye.